We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hornets down five. Who wants some good news? I'm going to give you the good news. All right, I'll take it. Hornets have a game against these Heat in two days' time in this building. They'll get a chance to get it right back. And the Hornets are going to be chomping at the bit for the next game to come because this is a game they had a, a real good chance to get a W and end their losing streak, and they just come up short. All right, welcome, Hornets fans. This is Richie, and welcome into another Buzz Beat. We are recording this on a Friday, and I'll be joined by the full crew here today. We've got Spencer, we've got Lee, we've got Brian all joining me today on today's episode. We are going to briefly highlight the game uh, against the Heat from last night, take some questions from our Substack chat, and just chat about the season so far as the Hornets have lost, what is it, seven straight guys? Seven straight games. So number seven. (laughs) However long I've been back in America. That's right. That's right. The, uh, this team was three and three when I was uh, when I was gone, and uh, here we are. So yeah, the kiss of death. Also, with this being on Twitter Spaces, we will take any request as well. So we're going to jump into this just because uh, we've got some things to get to. Uh, the Hornets lost by five in overtime against the Heat. With this loss, Hornets are now three and ten, which actually puts them in last place. In the East, um, played a little bit better in the second half, uh, specifically in that fourth quarter when Jimmy Butler had to sit. But overall, the game, we're, we're seeing some of the same things with them in terms of their downfalls. Also, some questionable calls, too, but this loss was a whole lot bigger than just that. I want to try to stay as positive as possible and kind of keep these observations short. I'm going to start with uh, Mason Plumley, and then you guys can just kind of run with it from wherever you guys want to go. I actually thought Plumley had a all-around game. I don't know if you guys saw the stat line that was tweeted out by Hornets PR today. 10-plus points, 15-plus rebounds, and 5-plus assists, and and 100% shooting from the field was the second time that he's done that in his career. And only two other players in NBA history have done that, Wes Unseld and uh, Chamberlain. So he's in good company there. It's just, you know, th- those three just go so well together. When I think of uh, Plumlee, I think of those two as well. But Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just think with all the deficiencies that we do bring up about him, I just wanted to highlight the good when they do come. And I think one of the biggest reasons he's on the court is that he can make difficult passes when needed. He had a nice give and go with PJ in the fourth quarter where the angle was just tight and he had to 
split it between a couple of limbs. So there are times when he's on the court where you just kind of shake your head and just wonder why he's out there. But between his rebounding, his DHOs, his off-ball screening to free up shooters, and just his overall willingness, like I just mentioned, to pass to those cutters, keeps him on the court. So I'll end it on that and uh, pass it to Spencer if you just wanted to piggyback off of that or take this in any other observation or direction that you want to. Yeah, I mean, Plumley has been good this year. Um, I think he's been improved uh, so far, really, from last year, uh, specifically offensively. I mean, we've talked about it already this year, but Hornets are running a lot of their offense. You know, through him at the high post, I, th- I think he's been really decisive. He's built a nice chemistry, especially with, I think, Kelly Oubre. I mean, last night had a, a really nice backdoor baseline cut and look looked like what was a – predisposed play drawn up play so i i've been pleased with Plumley. like my thing is just i don't need to see this much of him on a team that's i don't need to see him play 39 minutes a night uh on a team that is clearly not going anywhere and knowing that we have nick richards who's blossoming into a really nice player like potentially a starting center in the nba kind of player that's probably debatable but richards it's been the brightest spot to me Maybe you could argue Dennis Smith Jr. this year too, but I just like can we not just try to end some games with Nick Richards? Like just tap into the advantage on the offensive glass. No, he's not the passer, the playmaker that Plumley is, but you're going to get a, a huge net positive on the. You're going to get a positive on the defensive end, and I think you're probably going to find that you get a net positive on both ends, given Richards some of these clutch minutes over Plumley, but it, it, you know saying all that at the same time I'm not surprised you know Steve Clifford is a you know he, he's gonna platoon his guys every night basically the same way you know the rotations and the minute allocation and when the subs happen um it's very opposite of a guy like James Borrego where you're you're gonna try new things a lot Clifford's rarely gonna try new things uh i.e PJ Washington not getting any hardly any minutes at the five this year. We can talk about that later if you guys want to, but, um, but yeah, look, Plumlee's been fine. He's been nice. Like I, I'm kind of hoping that the team is uh, tweeting, going out of their, their way to tweet out these positive stats about Plumlee to, you know, to just make the world, Hey, realize this trade value. You know, we're not trying to get him. This isn't uh, all-star propaganda. This is trade value propaganda. So uh, that, that's good stuff. He's been good. I mean, I, I actually was thinking the other day, like, the Clippers could really use a guy like Plumley, I think, yeah. with all those wings. I, I was just kind of like workshopping some great ideas, but I think the way he's played, there's going to be some teams raising their hand for that expiring contract. I I agree. Like they've the, the Clippers once upon a time, maybe they still do, kind of like made sense as like a Rozier destination, but I think they also emerge as a place that you could consider for Plumley. Like they need a center, they need a backup center which I really think is where Plumlee is like most suited for. And given how that offense can get just like a little stagnant and get a little ISO heavy, you put a guy like that, that can give you some screens, give you some dives, give you some passing, some playmaking from the elbow. I could see him actually having some, some, some appeal for, for them. Um, as far as Plumlee goes, I'm all, I'm just like surprised how much they're playing through him at the elbow. Like it is, it's so much, it was already a lot. Um, and then with Hayward out, like it has become like uh, quite possibly the last couple of games, like the, the most used way of like, kind of like initiating offense. Like they've, they've really tamped down on, 
like the guard to guard screens. They've tamped down on the like wing pick and roll. I mean, you're getting some of that from Kelly, but with without Gordon, you know, that's way down. So the the, the chin ball screens that they run so much, like that's that's kind of gone. You know, they do some movement stuff for Rozier, but so much of this stuff is throw the ball into Plumley and either freelance cut off of it or they've got some design calls like the one that Spencer mentioned earlier where they throw it to Plumley at the elbow out of a little horns look and Kelly walks his guy up and then goes back door. Um, but also there are times, I mean, they're running like literally like Princeton offense. Like pr- these are like Princeton fundamentals where they throw it to Plumley at, at like, you know, at the elbow. They've got two guys in the strong side corner. You know, one guy sets a one guy sets a down screen. Like it's just it is this is straight Princeton fundamentals in terms of it's you like know, you're watching East Chapel Hill High School. Yeah, it's it's really it's really yeah, East Chapel Hill High School and they just happen to have like, you know, one big guy that's gonna go play at Elon or whatever, you know, and they're just letting that guy be the be the hub for them offensively. A nice mid major forward, you know. Yeah, and like and like I get it because one, they're lacking some of their key guys in terms of half court creation. But I think you've also seen like switching schemes have taken them out of their stuff, you know, uh, in, in, in several of the games earlier in the winning streak, that was like a huge, like the Sacramento game really like stands out, but there was, there was one or two others. Um, and so if you, if you play through the elbow, you make that a little bit more tough. You can randomize things. You can scramble it a little bit. So I, I, I get the vision. It's just like, there's a, pretty hard cap on it, you know, in terms of like how good it is, how good it can be. Um, and then I, I know, I'm sure all of you guys are aware of this, but you know, Charlotte down to 28th in the league in offensive efficiency, 29th in half court efficiency with only the, uh, the Houston Rockets, um, behind them. So I'd like to see more Nick Richards. I'd like to see more Mark Williams. It's great that Greensboro season has gotten started. Um, I watched the first game of the Swarm season. It was nice to see Mark have a good game there. But, you know, at some point you're going to want more minutes from Mark Williams. It's not like a huge rush, but at some point you're going to want to get him 15, 20 minutes a game, I think. And, of course, it would be nice to see more PJ at the five minutes. Like, it's something they've really only dabbled in. The Golden State game is the one game that it really, like, Rings to, rings through to me where they really dialed it up and went to it a lot and you know it was an overtime win that was the last win, um, but according to Clean the Glass, just just fifty four possessions of it this season. Um, the results have not been great, but obviously the sample is is pretty small. So yeah, like you know, I just think Plumlee would be best served again for that Clippers role or any other team that's looking for like a backup center that can kind of help a second unit offense with activity and passing. Yeah, playmake. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, and talking about the minutes around Plumley too, and maybe this is a little premature, and I love Jalen McDaniels, but can we just like get five Kai Jones, Jones minutes at four per game here? <laughs> like, is it like three and ten? We're still going for it maybe, just I guess. A just a touch. Can yeah. we just like see something? Like, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. So this is the whole Steve Clifford meets a team that sucks and is obviously going nowhere. Clifford's going to stick to the script when – which is fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, that's part of what I love about Clifford. But in this situation, the context is let's get as much of the youngsters out there as possible. You're not going anywhere. Like, you know, management needs to – we got to see some Kai Jones. We traded away a first-round pick. Yeah. It, like, he has to play. He might yeah. suck, but he's got to play. Yeah. They they they'll, they give Thor some token minutes every game, you know, at the backup yeah. four. Right. But it, it really feels like they're just – in JT has some nice moments, but there's not something he brings on a consistent basis. But he's, you know, he's still going to get those those allotted minutes. Um, at this point, it, it does feel like that. It will be interesting. Maybe we can talk about this more later. When we kind of we're kind of going on the, you know, what what road the team is going down. But just like when it becomes time to start playing some of the younger guys, which is like sooner rather than later. Versus, like, what do you do bringing LaMelo back, bringing Gordon Hayward back? Yeah, like, I do think, like, you know, I guess you just bring those guys back and just, like, play or whatever. But, um, you know, when, 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 like, when do we see Gordon Hayward play again for the Hornets? You know, um, I, I don't know what the timetables are, timelines are for, for either LaMelo or Hayward, but just given, the importance of those two guys for the team short term for Hayward long term for LaMelo and how both those guys play a lot of minutes and play with the basketball a lot. Um, you know, it, it could make sort of like the, the short term, like how the rest of the season plays out um, be kind of interesting. Cause it's just, it's just you're now all of a sudden, I think you have competing timelines basically. Um, even if LaMelo is, you know, attached to all of it just because of he's the team's best and you know youngest player. 
when I went to the game uh, the other week, it, it you know pregame stuff. Lamelo looked like he was moving well, and and Spencer kind of made a mention of this uh, on Twitter the other day when Rod Boone tweeted out another video of him pregame. He looks like he's almost ready to go. He could play any game now, I would think. Any other players, any other performances, Lee, that you want to bring up from last night uh, before we kind of get into the the Q and A section here? No, not necessarily specifically from last night. I, I do. It is nice to see uh, McDaniel's have a nice shooting night. He was in a bit of a slump there, but like I've tweeted about it a couple times. I mean, he started the season so like blistering hot from three. Like he was literally at like sixty five percent from three after four or five games. So he was due for kind of a mean regression. But you know, we're what we're thirteen games in, right? Yeah, 13 games in, and he's at 40%. Like, I don't necessarily expect him to finish the season there, but if McDaniels can settle in as like a 37 38% three-point shooter on almost four attempts a game, I, I think that is a very nice spot for him to be in with all the other like active defensive stuff that we talk about all the time on this pod. And then the only other thing I was going to just bring up like super quickly, and then we can get to the speaker request before we move on to the, to the other Q&A, I just want to talk about the defense for like a quick second because, you know, so like eye test wise, I think it's pretty obvious that this is a more like organized professional defense under Steve Clifford. Um, the shooting profile they're allowing to opponents is, is I mean, I know it's still a small sample size, but it's better than it was under Brego. I mean, under Brego, teams were just at the rim and shooting open threes like pretty much the entire time. So th- they are you know, allowing a less attractive shot profile to opponents. And they are protecting the rim at like an above average clip right now too. And honestly, like the personnel, I mean, of course you make the argument that Dennis Smith Jr. brings like point of attack defense to a roster that hasn't had it in like, uh, I don't know, like a a decade. I don't know, like ever basically. Um, But like you also haven't had Cody Martin. So you can kind of make an argument, you know, either way for the personnel. So I do think it's impressive what Clifford has done with this defense, although the offense is obviously just putrid. We can't blame that on him just yet because of the injuries, but it will be interesting to see, like, can the offense get to, can it get to 20th when, when like all the guys are back? Like, let's see. And then the last little thing I was going to say is the Hornets are number one right now an opponent th- uh, three-point percentage. So, like, some of that should be that, you know, the defense is better, but some of that is luck. So, like, I'm just a little <laughs> cautious here because the Hornets haven't exactly been, um, like, dinged from the three, like 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 they may be, you know, moving forward. So, uh, you know, not to end this segment on a, on a, a pessimistic <laughs> note, but, you know, we could – we could get like absolutely dotted from three over the next two weeks or something. <laughs> I wonder if the bigger, I guess, stat to look out for in terms of three point or opponent three point percentage is in terms of like contested looks. I wonder totally how often we're contesting those looks. Hundred percent, right? And so 100%. if they're uncontested and they're still the top of the league, that seems to be a little bit more more lucky. All right, we do have a speaker request, real quick. AJ, uh, go ahead and unmute and give us your thoughts. Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on here. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to my brother out there, laser glaciers. Uh, we call ourselves the buzz beat brothers. So we've huh. been getting a debate recently. Um, so hoping you guys can help clear some stuff up for us, hopefully. Yeah, go ahead. So question is, I personally don't feel LaMelo resigns here. I just don't see a scenario where 
he takes a look at the past few years and he says, yeah, I'm going to commit my future to this franchise. So my feeling is that we avoid a Kemba situation and we look to trade him. But my brother is saying, definitely don't do that. Um, I know you guys had a guy on a, a listener on a few weeks ago, um, and he said Lamelo's more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. And I think that hits the uh, the nail on the head here. So my question is, do you realistically think the Hornets look to move him? Um, and what kind of haul would you expect if you do think that they uh, that they can look to trade him here? Well, the, the Kemba situation, because we, we talked about this before when we first started our podcast about, you know, five, six years ago. And the Kemba situation was a little bit different because he was on he wasn't on his rookie deal when we started talking about this. Right, Spencer? It was it was that second right. deal when he was kind of aging a little bit more. Uh, so I, I do think that I don't know where this narrative is coming from or where the chatter is coming from in terms of that specific point of view from LaMelo. I mean, it very well could be a situation where he is a little bit frustrated with the team results and stuff like that. But there's been a lot of coaching changes, a lot of injuries, a lot of factors that have played into the performance of this team. I don't think that the Hornets would do that. I don't know. I don't really have strong thoughts about it, but I know that there's like whispers out there that like, you know, LaMelo's headed for LA. Like he wants to get out of Charlotte and get to LA. But I just don't know when you luck into a guy like this uh, that they did with that lottery, like, does it make much sense to get off of him? And sure. Yeah. I mean, he could bring back a good haul, but I I just don't see how you, how you do that. I think once when they get off these contracts, like Gordon and Plumlee, then you start to build around LaMelo and, and kind of go from there. I guess the biggest thing is like, does, does he LaMelo have the patience to kind of sit through this? And I guess probably that's what AJ is getting at here. Well, I, I mean, there's never been a player in the NBA to turn down the Supermax extension, which LaMelo will be eligible for soon, and he's not going to turn it down. You know, we've seen some guys, I think Zion kind of flirted with this. Porzingis <clears throat> flirted with this, if you'll remember back in the day, but none of these guys actually take the qualifying offer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly not on his rookie deal, AJ. I mean, he's it, it, it benefits the team and it benefits LaMelo to get that deal done. And then – they want to trade him afterwards. That's fine. It can come then. And that's even better for Charlotte to trade him on a second contract, super max contract because of the salary matching, everything you can get back for that. You trade him on his rookie deal. What are you getting back? I mean, I guess that would be a picks, the picks kind, yeah. of, kind of haul. So you, you want to get him on the large number first. Uh, and then the other thing I would add that I think Charlotte fans need to just keep in the back of their minds. Um, this new TV deal that's coming is massive the salary cap's going to explode player salaries, you know, BRI, they split it with the owners 50, 50 player salaries are going to go out the roof, which also means these valuations of teams is exploding along with all of this. And if you, depending on who you listen to, who you read out there, there are some owners that are starting to toss around the idea of, putting their teams on the market or at least listening. And I wouldn't be blown away if Michael Jordan is one of those owners. So well, why does this relate to LaMelo? If Michael Jordan were to sell this team, not having LaMelo on the roster, I mean, that hurts the valuation of this franchise big time. He wants LaMelo around really? to get max return on that. I'm not, I'm not saying or even predicting that Michael Jordan would sell the team, but if he were one of those owners, because there are some out there right now sniffing around, I wouldn't be surprised at all. 
Yeah. And the only thing I think, I, I think Spencer makes the most pertinent point. Like, uh, I'll preface this by saying I don't disagree with AJ's premise. Like, if I was in LaMelo's shoes, I would probably be a bit frustrated too with this kind of like the roster management and, and some of the decisions that have been made. That being said, I think Spencer's point trumps that. LaMelo is going to sign the extension just like every rookie does. He's going to get his money locked in, and then he's going to demand the trade later if he's pissed. So I think that's the only thing you're off on, AJ. I think you're just off on your timeline. I don't think you're necessarily wrong to infer that LaMelo might be looking around saying, is this really the franchise I want to like hook my wagon to? The only other thing I would say from Charlotte's perspective like, you don't trade a 20-year-old playmaker that just led you to a top 10 offense. Like, you you just don't do it. Um, like, could things get desperate enough? Maybe. But sitting here today, uh, that would just be one of the biggest kind of, like, misallocations of, of assets that, that you could ever imagine. So, again... Uh, I don't think you're necessarily off on your instinct. I just think you're a little sped up on your timeline. And I think from Charlotte's perspective... They just they just can't move this guy because of of how valuable he is. Yeah, I you guys laid it out. I won't repeat any of that. My guess would be that Lamelo in the Hornets agreed to a max rookie extension. Uh, very, uh, you know, maybe maybe not quite when the clock strikes. It, they do it at like six p.m. now, right? It used to be midnight, but it's like six p.m. But my my guess would be it it happens pretty quickly once the window. Uh, is made available. It's not going to be much negotiating, right? It's going to be this is what we want. We want twenty five percent of the salary cap. Lock it in, and we want five years. And maybe there'll be some haggling over the the last year. You know whether the fifth year is an option or locked in or whatever. Um, it what the one other thing I did want to point out was those negotiations will happen. You know, not too long after the 2023 NBA draft and we could be staring down a Hornets roster that has turnover on the horizon, but maybe also has some stuff that LaMelo would be excited to play with, right? Because you're potentially, you could potentially have a top three pick coming into town. It could be Victor Wembenyama, could be Scoot Henderson. You're going to have the, the Nuggets pick coming in and then because you also have Utah's pick. I mean, I guess that second round pick's not looking as good as it once did, but <laughs> you've got some second round draft capital in the wings as well. So I don't know, you might be able to to sort of pitch that as far as like, like hey, we're we're hitting the reset button here. Um, and we're doing it, we're doing it around you. But yeah, Lee and Spencer laid out all the reasons why they're gonna get an extension done and why if Lamelo does want to leave town, it's going to be, you know, on a trade during his second contract or third contract or whatever. Yeah, the Jazz and the Thunder performing better than people expected uh, helps out the Hornets if you are a proponent of uh, tanking. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap here for this podcast. The full episode is available to our BuzzBeat Plus subscribers, and they had a chance to listen to it yesterday on Friday. And that is one of the perks that comes along with BuzzBeat Plus. You get ad-free episodes, you get early access, 
and you get exclusive content. So they get the full 50-minute episode. If you would like to know a little bit more about that, how you can get your hands on some of these episodes for $35 a year, along with those other perks, visit buzzbeat.substack.com, and that will have more information. At the very least, just put your email in there, and you guys will get the constant emails about the episodes that come out. And you'll soon realize that you do get these episodes early and you'll start to see episodes in your inbox that just may not make it over to the public feed. So we appreciate all the support so far, but if you wanted to support us a little bit more, again, visit buzzbeat.substack.com. So we will talk to you guys later. Go Hornets. Take care.